Welcome and thank you for tuning into this week's life-changing message from the Equipping Church. We pray you are empowered and encouraged by the Word of God. I'm telling you this morning, I feel the anointing. Feel the glory. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Ghost. I'm going to continue in our series this morning, Priorities. And I'm telling you, I, I think as I preach this morning, there's just going to be a move of God. I don't think I know. I can just feel the river flowing in the room this morning. And I, I just want to encourage you this morning, just unbuckle. Lift your hands right now. Just lift your hands all over this room and say, God, I'm ready. I want more. Take me deep. Hallelujah. I'm going to start this morning. I, I want to remind you of a couple things that we've, we've already established over the last three weeks. And then I'm going to jump into a few passages of Scripture. The kingdom of God was likened unto leaven. We established three weeks ago that that leaven gets inside something that just like when you're baking bread, that yeast gets inside that, that flour and, and that mixture and it begins to expand, it begins to change and transform. That once was just a simple ingredient, all of a sudden life comes to it. There's a reason yeast is called active because it's a living organism. There, there's life in it. When the kingdom of God comes upon you and gets in you, there's life in it. And it begins to transform. It begins to work its way through the whole lump. It, it, it says that just a little leaven, just a little bit, in that passage says spoils the whole lot. Because we talked about two weeks ago, we talked about the leaven of the Pharisee and the leaven of Herod. That there are political and religious spirits that seek to bind you up from walking in the fullness of the kingdom of God. That the leaven of the, of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod seeks to transform your thinking into such a way that you become bound up from the freedom that actually the leaven of the kingdom brings to your life. And so the leaven of the kingdom seeks to get inside of you. The kingdom of God seeks to invade every part of your being and take you to a place you've never been before. Last week we talked about the kingdom of God like treasure. That it's like a treasure hidden in a field that when a man finds it, he'll go back, sell all of his possessions so that he can buy the field. Why? Because when he buys the field, he knows that there's more hidden treasure there. That the kingdom of God is like an ultimate treasure hunt that we spend our life pursuing the treasure of God. It says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out. The Bible says that you've been made priests and kings unto God. And the glory of God, the glory of kings is to search out the kingdom of God. That when you go on this ultimate treasure hunt of finding what God has hidden for you, that it transforms. And then we seek to bring that treasure to other people's lives. Today, I want to look at another aspect of the kingdom of God, but I want to start with four passages this morning, short passages. I'm going to read all four, and I'm going to give you the assignment if you can find the theme here as I read these passages. Luke 4, 38 and 44. Then he got up and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him to help her. 
And standing over her, he rebuked the fever, and it left her, and she immediately got up and served them. Now, while the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he was laying hands on each one of them and healing them. Demons also were coming out of many, shouting, You are the Son of God. And yet he was rebuking them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. Now when the day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place, and the crowds were searching for him, and they came to him and tried to keep him from leaving leaving them. But he said to them, I must also preach the kingdom of God to the other cities because I was sent for this purpose. So he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Next passage, Luke 8, 1 through 3. Soon afterward, Jesus began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward. And Susanna and many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. Next passage, Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2 and verse 11. Now he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and the power to heal diseases. And he sent them out to preach and proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. But the crowds were aware of this and followed him. And he welcomed them and began speaking to them about the kingdom of God and curing those who had need of healing. Last passage, Luke chapter 10, verse 1 and verses 8 through 11. Now after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them in pairs ahead of them to every city and place where he himself was going to come. Whatever city, verse 8, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is served to you and heal those in it who are sick and preach to them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter, they do not receive you. Go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your city, which clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. Yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near to you. Have you caught the theme yet? Have you caught the call? The call to the believer is to preach the kingdom of God. Jesus in Luke 4 was constrained to keep moving and do what? Keep preaching the kingdom of God. In Luke 8, he is moving from village to village doing what? Preaching the kingdom of God. By Luke 9, it's time for the disciples to be sent forth. And what are they sent to do? Preach the kingdom of God. And by Luke 10, it is the turn of the 70. And what are the 70 to do? Preach the kingdom. I want to look at one more passage. I know I said four. We're going to look at another one. Matthew 4, 23 and 24. Jesus was going about in all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness among the people. And the news about him spread throughout Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and severe pain, demon-possessed, people with epilepsy, and the people who were paralyzed, and he healed them. What is the link here? The gospel of the kingdom. He sent them to preach the gospel of the kingdom, Matthew 9, 35. And again, they went proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, Matthew 24 and 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a witness to all nations, and then the end shall come. Here is the link between the end times and today, and what is the link? The gospel of the kingdom must be preached. 
alongside all of this is a fascinating partnership. In every one of the passages that we just read, there's a partnership. And here is the partnership. That wherever the call to preach the kingdom of God is directed, there's always another event that is seen. In Luke 4, Simon's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. And what happens? She is healed. Then what does Jesus do? He goes about preaching the kingdom of God. And what happens? Demons are cast out. In Luke 8, as he's preaching the kingdom of God, sicknesses are healed and evil spirits are cast out. In Luke 9, the disciples are told to preach the kingdom of God, but at the same time he says, I give you authority to cast out devils and heal the sick. Through all of these passages that we've read this morning, we see a link that wherever the gospel of the kingdom is preached, there are signs and wonders following. This is the gospel of the kingdom. In Luke 10, the 70 are sent forth to heal sicknesses while doing what? What are they doing? Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And the question is this. Is here something that we are meant to understand in all of this? Here is the difference between preaching the gospel and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now Jesus makes a profound statement in Matthew 24 that the end only comes after the gospel of the kingdom is first preached. All these people looking for Jesus to come in the clouds. I don't care what your eschatological view is. Here's what I always say. Prepare for the worst and hope for the best. I would love to say we're going to get caught up before it all happens, but I'm prepared to go through it if it all happens. I think if we get caught up on if he's coming at the beginning or at the end, we'll have a whole bunch of people who are not prepared to go through anything. I'll say enough about that right there. He makes this profound statement in Matthew 24 that the end only comes after the gospel of the kingdom is preached. The word gospel means good news. Glad tidings when the angels showed up to the shepherds in the field. Glad tidings. Gospel. It's where, it's where that word gospel is first used. Glad tidings, gospel. It's about the good news that Jesus Christ came. He became the substitution. I can't even say that word. I wrote it down. It's a good word, but I can't even say it this morning. He became the substitute. That's a better word there. Sacrifice for you and I so that we might be saved from death and receive eternal life. And for many, that's all there is to it. They just do what's necessary to get saved. And live a reasonable life so that we don't lose our salvation. And when I die, I'll just go on to glory. Hallelujah. I'll fly away. And that's all that becomes of their journey in the gospel. It's classic gospel preaching and understanding. It's what's been encompassed the message of the modern day church for probably 150 years. I talk a lot about the simple gospel. The simple gospel is you're a wretched sinner and you need a savior. And when you meet the Savior, you become a new creation. You're no longer the wretched sinner that you once were. You become a new creation and a saint in the kingdom of God. But the problem for many is that they make it so simple that it has a devastating result. It's easy believism. Just give your heart to Jesus and you'll be okay. Just give your heart to Jesus, live however you want, and you'll be okay. When you become a Christian, your life will be great, and I'll give you the 10 steps to living your best life. Just join the club, pay your dues, I mean tithes, and you'll be great. It'll all work out. 
And someday you'll get to go on to heaven and you'll get to pick out your mansion and drive a red sports car and ride all these things in heaven, eat cotton candy, and it'll all be wonderful and great. Just, just live a good life. As long as you gave your heart to Jesus at some point, as long as you prayed some fabricated prayer sometime in your life, it doesn't matter how you live because once you're saved, you're always saved. Oh, I'm going to tip over some religious cows this morning. I feel like barbecue. Roast them. So it becomes a popularist gospel. How can we make the gospel as palatable as possible? So as many people as possible can receive it and so get saved. I mean, it swings so far. You have all these universalists in the church now who just say, well, Jesus died for all, and whether they receive him or not, they're included. I'm sorry, that's not how it works. And you can't just pray a little prayer and say, oh, I'm a Christian. I prayed a prayer when I was three years old that I didn't even understand, but I prayed a prayer. Or some man in a long robe dipped me in water or sprinkled some water on me. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Not how it works. And so what is the result of all of this? The church becomes a great place to be, which is okay. The service has become more orientated to meeting the needs of its congregation, which is in okay. But there's a little challenge for a change of lifestyle. You see, in our culture today, it is not popular to say that people are in sin. Do you know that in the state of California, which should be no surprise to us these days, there is a law on the books that they are trying to pass which will make it illegal to use the word sin. Can you believe that? I can. The depravity of man. There are laws on the book to make it illegal to do deliverance. Yeah, Denmark, you can't have deliverance services. You can't cast demons out. It's abuse. Are you kidding me? You want to keep your demon? Give me a, a 30 minutes and I'll get rid of all the abuse you're already experiencing. It's unpopular to inform them that if they keep doing that sin, they will lose their salvation and go to hell. Notice, I'm not even talking to unbelievers here. You know where the message of hell is so unpopular? Within the four walls of churches. We become afraid to say the word hell because preachers have been bought by tithes and offerings and make their dependence on income from the church. So they're afraid that if I offend the big tither who's having an affair with the other big tither, I'll lose the money and lose the church. You know what that's called? Prostitution. Preachers have sacrificed the gospel of the kingdom for a gospel of comfort that makes people feel comfortable in their sin. So we have people running around thinking they're saved, but they probably actually never got saved. They just prayed some fabricated prayer that makes them feel good about themselves, and they're right on their way to hell, and preachers don't care anymore. It's uncomfortable. You start talking about sin and you can feel the hairs on people's backs start to stand up. Oh, we better not talk about my sin. It's not popular to tell them that the sin they're continuing in is opening them up for demonic possession and probably they're already in need of deliverance. 
It's not popular. It's not popular to tell them that when they become a Christian, they're not living for themselves any longer. I don't live for Jacob any longer. I live for the king. It's not popular to tell people that Jesus actually requires something of them. And first and foremost, he requires their life. The popularist gospel that is preached in many pulpits across the world is one that you add Jesus to your life. But the gospel is he becomes your life. And I know I'm preaching to the choir this morning. But what I want to challenge us this morning is that we all believe the gospel. But do we preach the gospel of the kingdom? And if we are all preaching just the gospel, Jesus died for you. He wants to make you a new creation. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Pray this little prayer with me and everything will be okay. Inevitably, the result is a group of people on their way to hell with no clue. Narrow is the way. Broad is the way to destruction. The gospel of the kingdom adds a further dynamic. It's still the good news. Nothing has changed there. Listen, it's still good news. We still have the best news on the planet. We still need people to surrender their lives. We still need people to know there is a Savior who came in the form of a man. And as a man, he died on a cross for their sin. He became the substitute for them. That's still the gospel. But there's an added issue when we preach the gospel of the kingdom because the kingdom is about rulership. It's about change. It's about Christ overtaking our lives and being first in everything. It's about dealing with areas of the heart where self is priority and Christ has been removed from the throne of your heart. The gospel of the kingdom is about the invasion of God's rulership displacing the rulership of self. And this is a challenge for all of us because we are so taught in our culture that we are the rulers of ourself. To thine own self be true. The mantra of the hour. Be who you want to be. You can be anything you want. I said to someone the other day, then I identify as a 75-year-old billionaire (laughs) if I can be whatever I want. But if I went into the banker and said, my bank account doesn't reflect what I identify as, he'd laugh at me. And yet our culture says, be whatever you want to be. I get the ideology of trying to encourage people that they can do anything But you know, one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because in the context of that is great persecution and beatings, not being able to jump six feet off the ground to play basketball. Not being good at football. Not being able to just get through any, you know, college course. No offense to our students this morning. 
You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you in the middle of your beatings and your persecution and your preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You want to find where real strength is? Preach the gospel of the kingdom. And then you'll begin to find that your priorities have changed and you're seeking first the kingdom. And then all the other stuff that you've been worried about, you're no longer worried about and it's taken care of. Can I tell you, I'm preaching to myself this morning. It's a challenge for all of us. I don't stand here pious and and pretend like I've got it all together. Ask my wife. I don't. While everyone was making pretty the church, I had an attitude yesterday. I'm back in the children's room having a, a tiff with her and saying, well, blah, 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 blah. And I mean, if looks could kill, you would have had a funeral today. Because I was in the flesh. Anybody ever been in the flesh? Or are you all so holy you've already attained the prize of perfection? But if we get real with ourselves, rulership is an issue in our lives. I want to rule myself. I want to I rule my own comfort. Let's get real this morning. I want to rule what I eat. Can we get real this morning? I want to rule what I watch. But I surrendered that. I surrendered my rulership. I, when I became a believer, I invited Jesus not just to be king, but to be Lord. Not just to be Savior, but to be Lord. He directs my paths. As a believer, I understand the principle. Man can make his plans, but the Lord orders his steps. I surrendered control. I said, Jesus, have it all. I think we've learned to sing, I surrender all, when on the inside, I surrender part. See, the gospel of the kingdom is very confrontational. It's demanding and at times very uncomfortable. The gospel doesn't create easy believism. It actually demands a response and a change. That every, hear that word every, every area in our lives that is not under the submission of God's order must change. Every area. So that is why the link between healing, casting out demons, and the preaching of the kingdom of God is there. You see where a demon is, there is rulership. But rulership of another power other than God. It's the same for sickness. It's another order or principle that is governing our lives. But the kingdom seeks to invade and displace that principle and government. The kingdom of God seeks to invade those areas and displace those principalities. To displace those rulers. For we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but spiritual wickedness and rulers in high places. Jesus gives us the message but He also gives us the power and authority to outwork that message. I mean, imagine going into a situation where there's demonic strongholds. We preach the kingdom of God, but then you don't have the power to displace the kingdom of darkness. The gospel kingdom or the kingdom gospel would be immediately invalidated. But not only does He give you the message, He gives you the power. You know where that power comes from? Greater surrender. The more areas of my life I surrender to Him, the more areas I, I lay down. And it's a lifelong work, church. 
It is. It's a choice. I have to choose to continue to surrender. I surrender all every day. And it's a cha- we are challenged by our culture. We are challenged by our comfort. We are challenged by our family. We're challenged by our work. We're challenged by our pocketbook. We're challenged by all these areas. Because ultimately, it is a revelation of what is ruling your life. Who has complete rulership? Have you surrendered every area? Or are there things still ruling you? It's a challenge. The gospel of the kingdom embodies superior kingdom power. And the result is this. We have a call. You and I, the ecclesia, the church, have a call to develop our lives around signs and wonders. Why? Why should we have signs and wonders around our lives? Because it is signs and wonders that validate our message of the kingdom of God. Mark 16, 17, and 18. And these signs will accompany those who have believed. Can I, can I read that part again? These signs will accompany those who have believed. Another word for believed there. And I'm going to totally mess up the Greek word, so I'm not even going to try. Another word for believed there. And these signs shall follow those who have given evidence of their belief by speaking it. I think we have this, this wonky idea that because I believe, signs and wonders are just going to fall out my rear end. But that's how many believers act. Just wherever I walk, just signs and wonders, it's going to happen. I've got to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, and then the signs and wonders will validate what I've proclaimed. It says, these signs shall follow those who believe. What are the signs? In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and what? They will recover. The validation of the message. Now let me tell you, there has been an all-out attack on the church regarding signs and wonders. There has. There's been an all-out attack ever since the birth of the church. There has been a developing philosophy that signs and wonders finished with the early church. 2,000 years later, in the Western world, the supernatural has almost completely been done away with in the church and explained away by using psychological analysis as to why things happen. I, I shared a dream a few months ago. And in this dream, I was at a church growth conference. I may have shared it on a Sunday. I can't remember if I've shared it or not. I was at a church growth conference in this, in this dream. And I mean, it was flashy. The who's who of the Christian world were there. And I'm rubbing elbows with all these people that I thought were so great. And this, this church growth expert, this, this coach came up to me. And we're talking and he says, you know what, I'll, I'll tell you what will happen to grow your church. And of course, in the dream, I'm thinking, tell me, tell me. He said, stop speaking in tongues. I said, excuse me? 
He said, if you want your church to grow, you will stop speaking in tongues. I wanted to throat punch him in the dream. And I, I, I rebuttaled him and I gave him some scriptures and he just kind of blew me off. And I'm thinking in the dream, I need to get out of here. But somehow I ended up on the front row and this woman stands up, very famous preacher, and she says, all right, all you muggles. Now, if anyone doesn't know what a muggle is, it's Harry Potter. And I think it's a half wizard, half human, something like that. I don't, I don't know. She says, get out your wands. And in our gift bags, they had given everyone a wand. She says, now when you wave these wands, it'll draw the people. She says, this is how we'll reach them. We'll get them where they're at. We'll speak their language. We'll do the things they're doing. And then we'll come and then we can give them the gospel eventually. I'm not kidding. I woke up from that dream, wrote it down. I opened up Facebook later that morning and literally the first ad that popped up was a wizard wand. You know who was advertising it? A church. They were having a holiday party surrounding Harry Potter. People are more comfortable with New Age witchcraft than they are speaking in tongues. Why? Let me tell you why. They don't have to change with the New Age witchcraft. Be what you want to be. Do what you want to do. You get in the Holy Ghost, He'll make you change. You All of a sudden, you're starting to get convicted. Oh, God, I repent that I spoke to that person that way. Father, I'm sorry that I overrated Thanksgiving. Father, I repent for spending that money that was my tithe money on that. Because all of a sudden, you get in the flow of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost, who is called to convict you of righteousness, begins to speak to you and show you the things on the inside. The church doesn't want that. They want to feel comfortable. Give me my little wizard wand. Let me just wave it around. You begin to do that and the Holy Ghost begins to convict. The Holy Ghost begins to reveal things. The Holy Ghost begins to show you things. And the next thing you know, you're weeping in the presence of God. And you're repenting. And you know what he's doing? He's getting inside of you. And he's going deeper. And he's peeling away the layers. And he's going deeper. And he's showing you how he wants you to be. And he's revealing to you just who you are called to be. He begins to reveal to you what you're called to do. And the gospel of the kingdom invades you. See, to believe and pursue signs and wonders, one must also pursue a gospel that incorporates a spiritual invasion. The kingdom of God. So the church desiring to be acceptable to people has played into that hand of unbelief and denial of the supernatural. But in the process have lost the message of the kingdom of God, of spiritual invasion. It's a battle that we must be acutely aware of. The battle to retain a focus on the gospel of the kingdom. Some of you will remember, because of her makeup, a woman named Tammy Faye Baker. Anyone ever remember Tammy Faye? I, I am a church Pentecostal historian. I, I, I thrive on the history. 
And as I was preparing this message, all of a sudden, her name flashed in my head. And I said, God, why? I haven't thought about Tammy Faye other than that T-shirt that people used to wear that had makeup all over it. It said, I ran into Tammy Faye. But I watched an interview of her back from the early 80s, before they got off. And I'm telling you, the woman was preaching on the gospel of the kingdom. It was a message called the gospel of the kingdom. And she was talking about the invasion of the gospel. I had already prepared most of my message. And I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, God, what happened? What happened to her? I mean, she grew up a preacher's kid. She grew up in the Pentecostal movement, seeing signs and wonders and miracles. And so I I began to do my digging, as I do. Anyone ever gone on a Holy Ghost rabbit trail? One video becomes another video. One video becomes another article. Another article becomes another video. And before you know it, you started with Tammy Faye and you're researching comfortable chairs. I don't know, it just happens. But in the details of all of this, I found an interview where Jim Baker said this, in order to reach the world, we must make it more palatable. And I knew at that point, that's where they lost it. And of course, if you know anything, it all became a mess from there. They lost it. Now, some would say Jim Baker's back and he does all that he does. I I don't know. I don't watch his show. Tammy Faye, I don't think, ever quite regained it. Spent the last few years of her life advocating for the LGBT. Advocating that they're Christians too. Her son pastors a, 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 Jay Baker pastors a, a, a gay church. How did they lose it? They made it more palatable. It went from the gospel of the kingdom being preached to the gospel of prosperity being preached. God just wants to make you wealthy. He does. You know how He wants to make you wealthy? With the kingdom. You carry the wealthiest kingdom there's ever been. A kingdom with no measure and no end. That Solomon arrayed in all of his glory doesn't even compare to the kingdom. That's on the inside of you, if you let it. It seeks to invade every part of you. It seeks to make you full. And so there's a battle. There's a battle that we must be acutely aware of. And it's a battle to retain a focus on the gospel of the kingdom. I'm sure we could all think of examples of this. A person wanting to talk to you about Christianity. They're open to the message of salvation, but then the objection comes. I like the message, but I can't become a Christian because I will have to change. I will have to give up. And out comes the list. Now the temptation. Here's the temptation in our Western culture. is to make it as easy as possible for them to come to Christ because we've been taught You need to win people to Christ. And so we make it a game in our head of numbers. How many people have you led to Christ this week? Listen, I'm all about people coming to Christ. 
but with the gospel of the kingdom. Not a half-hearted gospel that just makes them feel good and I've got Jesus in my heart. All yet, we'll, we'll, do, we'll avoid the issue. We won't confront the sin that they want to hold on to. And we'll say things like, look, all you have to do is just ask Jesus into your heart. The problem with this is that they do that. But what's going to happen when they invite Jesus? Conviction will come. And then they'll look at you and they'll go, why do I feel like I have to change? You told me all I had to do was accept Jesus. I don't want this. So then they run. Because we don't preach the whole truth. Whole truth and nothing but the truth, right? So conviction comes because that's a spiritual principle. So they keep living their lifestyle and avoid the pain of conviction. And then what happens is eventually they walk away from their commitment. Now, we all have this very well excuse. Well, they're just backslidden, but they're saved. And once you get saved, you're always saved. Can I tell you, that is one of the most dangerous heresies that has ever been preached. To try and convince people that they're okay in their sin as long as they pray to prayer. They're not backslidden. They're hell-bound. Had they been given a correct and full gospel in the first place, they would have realized what God was going to do. Call them toward change. Because though you and I may not carry the gospel of the kingdom, the spirit realm does. So when the gospel is even given in a measure, even when we invite them to receive Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom will work its power. So whether you preach the full gospel or not, if they begin that journey toward receiving Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom seeks to invade them and Jesus will not be left wanting. And so we do a great disservice when we just say, all you got to do is give your heart to Jesus. There's a lot required to follow Jesus. You know what it is? All of you. All of it. Every part. Every dream, every desire, when we compromise the gospel, we weaken its power to bring lasting change. I'm going to say that again. When we compromise the gospel, we weaken its power to bring change. I was part of a movement, and we did treasure hunts which is great. I love going to find people to minister to. But we were told, don't present the gospel the first time. I'm sorry. Now, I bought it hook, line, and sinker in those days because, I, oh, this is a great way to evangelize. If we just get them healed, they'll be open to the gospel. But you know what would happen? We'd get them healed and never see them again. So they might be able to walk better, but they're walking straight to hell. Go out and prophesy over unbelievers and give them all these words about how great they are. Yeah, they have great potential to fulfill the words of God over their life. But until they surrender their life to Christ, they're still going to hell. I don't care how many prophetic words you have. If you have not surrendered fully to Jesus, you're going to hell. Hell 
is real? I'll tell you, there has been a bombardment against the minds of people to convince them that hell's not real. I went through it. Can I just be transparent this morning? I was battling thoughts of, man, maybe hell isn't what we've been taught. Wrestling on the inside because I love people. Maybe annihilation is, is really the way it works. Maybe when they die, you know, maybe they go to hell for a short time, but then eventually they just don't exist anymore. Or all these thoughts begin to bombard me for like a year. Now, I would have never preached it because in my knower, I knew the truth. But I even had conversation. I had to write an email to someone and apologize because I'd had a conversation with them where I alluded to some of this and was kind of dialoguing, and it had convinced them that their belief was correct. I thought, God, I repent. But there is a bombardment of the enemy in the minds of people to convince people that hell's not real. Now, I'm fully aware hell is real. I've been there. I've seen it. And even after seeing it, begin to have those thoughts. So how much more does the nominal Christian well, I gave my heart to Jesus. God wouldn't let me go to hell. I, I just ha- we just have to be real, folks. Ray Comfort. Anyone ever heard of Ray Comfort? Great New Zealander. Great, great evangelist. Now, I wish he operated in signs and wonders, and then I'd really validate what he says, but not a big fan of signs and wonders. But he is a great evangelist, and he teaches concerning the need to kill a person with the law before they get saved by grace. It's the whole idea. They need to understand that in and of themselves, they are a wretched sinner. And that is the truth. That is what the Bible says. I used to really hate that phrase. I used to really hate those ideas. But the more and more I see the church slipping into such a compromised gospel, the more and more I recognize the need to be real about what the gospel says. But here's the deal. We can't just beat people up either. That doesn't work either. You sinner, going to hell. Turn or burn. That does. Carrying signs that say turn or burn is not going to work. But listen, the gospel is laced with conviction. The call to change. The call that sin is wrong. So when a person makes the decision to become a Christian, they also understand what the requirements are going to be. But here's the beautiful thing. The Spirit of God enables you to live that life. That's why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so necessary. It's not just a Rondai Shandai shit about a Honda, but about a Kia. That's not what it's all about. Listen, I love speaking in tongues. I can't survive without it. But if we make the baptism of the Holy Spirit just about Rondai Shandais and not about the empowerment to live free from sin, that's what it was all about. Power. To be witnesses. How are you a witness if you've never experienced it? How can you witness to people? You can live free from this if you've never experienced it. 
Melanie, I'm going to start closing. And I will only have one close, I promise. So I want to return to this battle for signs and wonders. The enemy doesn't want them. Much of the church doesn't want them. But the gospel of the kingdom demands them. I'm going to say that to you one more time. The enemy doesn't want signs and wonders. Much of the church doesn't want signs and wonders. But the gospel of the kingdom demands signs and wonders. And so what is the result? Every one of us here are in a battle of faith. The war is real to retain a proper and true gospel. To embody a lifestyle of seeking to develop spiritual authority and faith for the supernatural. So that your message is backed by your actions. That when a person says, I have this spiritual problem, and it's clearly a demon, you can confidently and without hesitation say, I can help you with that. I'm in a kingdom that's in a greater kingdom, that is a greater than the kingdom that you're in. And in prayer, I can see Christ defeat that demonic stronghold. Now, you might not use that language the first time. I love saying, I serve a living God. I serve a living God. When I want to be real cheeky, I tell people I'm an exorcist. Done that on the plane a few times. One person looked at me, and when the flight was in the air, moved seats. I thought their demons don't want to leave today. Never forget, I was on a plane one time, and the man sitting next to me, he said, where are you headed? And I was flying from, I think I flew out of College Station to Dallas, Dallas to L.A., and L.A. to Fiji. It was a long trip, and I lost my luggage. But I was in first class on the flight from Dallas to L.A. I got upgraded. I don't even know how I got upgraded. And the guy sitting next to me, he turns to me and he says, you look really young to be in first class. I didn't realize age was a requirement to be in first class. He was probably in his 60s. I was in my late 20s at the time. And I said, I got upgraded. He goes, that never happens. I said, what happened today? He said, well, where are you headed? I said, I'm headed to Fiji. He goes, oh, vacation? I said, no, work, work. He says, what do you do for work? I was real cheeky. I said, I'm an exorcist. He says, oh, is there a need for exorcisms in Fiji? I said, lots. (laughs) He said, I knew a man one time who used to do things like that. I said, really? He says, yes, his name was Lester Sumrall. I said, oh, you knew Lester Sumrall. Tell me all about it. He said, yeah, I didn't like him very much. He said, I ran a bank in Indiana. I think it was Indiana. Wherever Lester Sumrall lived. 
He said he'd come in all the time. And he'd tell me, brother, I can get rid of that demon if you want me to. So I looked at the man. I said, did you ever get rid of it? He said, no. I said, do you want to? He said, no. And I said, okay. I said, the reason you don't want to get rid of it, and I had a word of knowledge. I said, the reason you don't want to get rid of it is it's, it's what taught you to make wealth. Showed up when you were a little kid because you grew up in abject poverty. I said, it showed you things. I said, but it came at a cost, didn't it? I said, how many of your children have died? He goes, how'd you know that? I said, because it always comes with a cost. And you valued money. We got real confrontational. I said, you valued money more than your own children. I said, it led your wife to leaving you, didn't it? Yeah, she couldn't understand why our kids kept dying at two and three years of age. I said, because you made a covenant with that spirit as a child. I said, you didn't know any better, but you knew better later in life. Brother Sumrall saw it. He goes, no one's ever explained any of this to me. I said, you ready to be free yet? He said, I've lived too long this way. And he shifted in his seat and turned away. The gospel of the kingdom requires change, church. And there will be those who don't want it. I had to get up and go to the restroom and weep. I thought, how? How could you become so cold? How could you become so hard-hearted? We landed in L.A. He looked at me and he said, I'll think about what you said. I said, that's enough right there. That's enough right there. God can do something with that. He said, if you ever need me, call me. Handed him my business card. Never heard from him. I don't know what happened to him. But I know that a seed was planted that day. Church, you may not see the results right away. You may not. But some plant, some water, but the Lord brings the harvest. The gospel of the kingdom works. And it will have His outworking in the lives of those who hear it. Some will reject it. Jesus said to them, if they reject it, dust your feet off. Tell them, the kingdom of God's come near you today. And you move on. But I'm telling you, the kingdom of God works. It works when a person says, I have a spiritual problem. And you can tell them, I serve a living God. How do we maintain on this path, in this battle. Number one, you have to recognize there is a battle of faith. I don't care what prosperity preacher told you that you can have it easy. That's not life. We'll have mountaintop seasons, and I'm thankful for the mountaintops. They give us a little respite for the valleys. And the valleys sometimes feel long. But your circumstances never dictate the kingdom. 
So I can be in a valley of despair. I can be in a valley of waiting. But you better believe while I'm in that valley, I'm going to look for other people in that valley. And I'm going to tell them there's a mountaintop coming. Do you want to come with me to the mountaintop? Do you want to come with me? Remember years ago, and I've had this vision over a few people a couple times. Years ago, I had a vision. And I was standing on top of a mountain. The Lord said, I'm sending you to a valley. I said, no. No. I'll never forget that. He said, take my hand. We walked down this mountain into this dark. I couldn't see him anymore. I couldn't feel him anymore. Couldn't even feel him in my hand anymore. And I'm walking and it's so dark. So heavy. I'm encapsulated by darkness. And I'm in this moment. And I just heard him whisper, listen for my voice. Listen for my voice. Keep walking, son. And then I heard him say, bend down. I think, God, I, I don't know where I am. I can't see. I couldn't even see my feet. He said, bend down. I bent down. He said, feel around on the ground. And I began to feel chains on the ground. He said, grab them. And I picked him up with this hand. I picked him up with my left hand. And I stood up and they were heavy. He said, one step at a time. I began to walk. And I'm pulling. And I'm pulling. And it felt like forever. I had no clue what was going other than I these heavy, heavy chains. And what felt like 10 miles away, I could barely see in the distance. Little bit of light. And I kept walking. He said, listen for my voice. One step at a time. Keep walking. And the light began to get brighter. And brighter to the point I, I, it was blinding. And kind of closed my eyes. He said, open your eyes. Keep walking. All of a sudden, I was in this light, and I was at the base of a mountain. And he said, walk up the hill. I said, what do I do with these chains? He said, keep walking up the hill, one step at a time. And it felt so steep. He said, look behind you. And as I looked behind me, church, there were people attached to those chains. And as I'm Walking up, chains begin to break in my hands. They begin to crumble. And a little girl ran up ahead of me. And an older woman ran up, I mean running, not just walking, running. And this elderly gentleman running. And then a teenager running. And all these people began to overtake me as they began to run. But I had pulled them out of that valley. And I heard the Lord say, don't waste your valley. Don't waste your valley. It's hard. It feels lonely. Listen for his voice and don't waste your valley because there are chains to pick up in the valley that are attached to people and you may never know them. You may never know who they are, but if you'll keep walking, 
You'll keep proclaiming. Keep relating to persons. Recognize there's a battle. It's not easy to carry chains in the dark where you can't see anything. But there's victory on the other side. So number one, recognize there's a battle of faith. Number two, relate to people who walk in signs and wonders. Get around that anointing. When there's an altar call happening, get in it. I used to respond to every altar call whether I needed it or not. I'll never forget. I wasn't paying attention one time. And they said, if you're having female problems, I ran. That preacher looked at me and he thought, my God, we're going to have to have a deliverance service. But I wanted to be around the signs and wonders. I wanted to be around the anointing. So keep relating to people who walk in signs and wonders. There's times I'll just, I'll just watch old Rodney Howard Brown videos. There's times I'll pull up Breakthrough Conference, Rod Parsley from the 90s. I'm telling you, some of those messages, still alive. R.W. Shambach, Lester Sumrall. Number three, pray and fast. You have resolutions for the New Year's anyway. Fast, it'll be fine. Pray and fast to develop spiritual authority and power. Fasting doesn't move God, it moves you. Number four, go for it. What do I mean go for it? Go for signs and wonders whenever the opportunity comes your way. Don't hold back. Randy and Joanna, who will be with us for Holy Ghost Camp, I love going to restaurants with them. Joanna has no filter. In a restaurant one time, why are you limping like that? She said to the waitress. Oh, well, I've got this issue, this issue. She goes, come here. Didn't even ask permission. Just put her hand right on her back. Jesus, I thank you today that you're healing. Woman goes, what are you doing? She goes, you're getting healed, baby. Woman got healed right there. Stop limping. And then she said, do you know Jesus? She goes, yeah, I'm a born-again Christian. So didn't need to get her saved, but got her healed. Don't hold back. Number five. When you share the gospel, share a gospel of invasion. Don't, don't compromise it. Share the whole counsel of the word of God. Share the whole gospel. It's necessary. Did you get it this morning? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite Hector and Susanna to come. They're last Sunday with us for a few weeks. They're going to come. They're going to share. And then I'm going to come back and I want to have a special altar time after they share this morning. And we just appreciate Pastor Susanna. Thank you. All right. Good morning, everyone. 
we had a good problem this morning. We ran out of worship guides. <laughs> so if you still need worship guides, we can um, print more for you. There's several announcements this morning. Remember, dig on Wednesday at 7. I think this is going to be the last one. Um, let's do double. Okay, there are two more after this. So uh, Wednesday at 7. And Hector and I, we're going to miss that. But come, right, and be blessed. Dig, by the way, is deeper in God. And, and is teaching, fellowship. Okay, so make yourselves available on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, the day after, and this is not in the worship guide, but on Thursday, uh, we'll be having a meeting for those who want to help out in the media team, right? Sound, working the computers. And I understand that there are several people who have already um, uh, registered for that. So it's going to be this Thursday at 7 p.m. And there will be some light refreshments, but the media team really needs uh, people. And if you have not registered, just turn up on Thursday. All right, Th turn up on Thursday so that the people at the back right now, they can have a break, all right? So if you're not sure if you want to be there or not, but you want to help out, come anyway, all right? You just never know, there might be a hidden gift inside of you. And then I also want to announce that uh, uh, instead of uh, Sunday, the 25th of December, Christmas service, we are having a Christmas Eve service, and that's going to be on Saturday at 6 p.m., Right, so it's going to be an evening service. Uh, please invite friends, family, right, people who are visiting you. Right, invite them for this special service. So there will be no Sunday service on the 25th of December, which is Christmas Day. And there will be no uh, prayer meeting that Saturday as well at 10 a.m. Right, so uh, take note of that. And then uh, a couple of you have uh, asked me about next steps. So we're going to resume next steps in February, right? So no next steps in January. And it's going to be bi-monthly, all right? So uh, it's going to be on Sunday, the 5th of February. And when we get closer to that month, I'll give you a little bit more of the details. And then the Holy Ghost Camp. A few of you have come up to me and asked how to register so you just need to go online so the holy ghost camp it's going to be at messiah's ranch more information will be given to you there will be a booklet for you and you know how to prepare yourself so it's going to be on friday the 30th of december right through the sunday 1st of january and we will have our special guest that uh, Pastor Jacob talked about, Joanna and uh, Randy Herndon. So uh, they are friends of the church. Uh, they, are, they are part of our church family. If you have not met them, you're in for a treat. So please register as soon as you can by uh, this week uh, because we want to get all the food and preparations done. So it's $150 per person. Uh, families with children, uh, there will be special discounts. And if you're not staying for the night, it is $75 per person. And if you have difficulty paying the registration fees, just come and see me um, and uh, we will see what we can do. So please register. I've given you the website and just scroll to Camp 
registration. We will need all the registrations, uh, hopefully by the next couple of days. All right, so uh, please get that ready. And I also want to mention, we have these little cards uh, near our nativity scene there. All right, so these cards uh, are invite cards. Uh, please have them with you. Uh, yesterday, we were spending time with a couple and... You know, and that was like the only day I ran out of cards, but thankfully Hector looked through his pockets and he found one card. So we were able to invite them for our services. So please take a stack. We have several, right? Have them with you and, uh, you know, invite uh, anyone that you come in contact. And uh, also for those of you who are visiting here for the first time, you would have gotten a, con uh, a Connect card. And uh, as uh, we do the offerings later in our KFC buckets, our kingdom finance collectors uh, buckets, just uh, put in your information and drop it in. And uh, we would like to uh, be in contact with you. So I'd like to invite uh, Pastor Hector for the tithes and offerings. Well, uh, how many of us feel convicted today? Uh, this is an amazing... Um and sobering message that uh, we just want to dig in deeper with God to transform us. I wanted to give you a testimony, uh, also a bit of a, an account of what we're going to be doing in Spain. Um, so we went to conference last week, and uh, we had about a place to, that would seat 56 people, but people got to know about, about our presentation, and 320 uh, registered. They changed our room, and I told God, God, if you have done it for us overnight, do it for the Quipping Church, that we will have 300 people coming here overnight. That was my prayer, because I saw it happening. I saw it happening. So, And the, the other thing that happened is that someone happened to say, uh, I told him that I wanted to send my book, Kingdom Finances, and he said, well, I would like to buy 200 to send them to pastors. So, this has been a ministry that I've been doing this year, and this is how God has confirmed, go on, I'm with you. Go on, I'm with you. So, in Spain, it's a bit of, a, bit of a challenge, uh, because I've, God has put in my heart to, uh, that we, we are not going to church on Sunday. We are not going to church, because we are having church in our home. <laughs> so, I'll be preaching. So, I'm inviting friends, and I'm inviting the family to come and hear the, the, me preach the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom of God. Oh. I just want to be obedient in this area, and God it makes it so nice, easy, that I've conducted uh, with my childhood friends, this year only, for about 20 of them. I'll invite all of them. And next week, guess what? Sunday is December 11th. One of those key days in the year that happens to be my birthday. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> So I have to tell them, come and celebrate my birthday and come to church. <laughs> and what I want to share today in terms of the message from the word for all of us is uh, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave. And Jesus was teaching his disciples and said, you know, there's no love greater than this, than one who gives his life for the brethren. Now you go and love each other. So it's the love of God that helped us move in that direction. And as I was praying, I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, challenge people. 
Don't be nice to people. That's the challenge. Manifest the love of God to people. Don't be nice. Manifest the love of God. Don't love people at a distance. They tell you something and say, I'll give you a dollar, but I don't want to see you. Why don't you ask God, what is my path here? What do you want me to do in this case? And God will, sh will lead you to manifest his love and power to people. That's going to be, it's going to cost you. If you want to follow God, it's going to cost you. But he's going to show up. God is going to show up. That is manifesting his love. So what he was saying is that, um, that we need to stop sharing theology. Stop sharing theology, but impart salvation. Stop trying to argue people into the kingdom, but impart salvation, something that God has given to you. You have the power to impart that to other people. And that is what is behind the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. The impartation of salvation is something very powerful. But if we don't see ourselves like that, we will never do it. But what I'm telling you is that God told me to tell you. And to make it a point, that's what God is going to have us do in Spain. <laughs> He's going to have us do in Spain because my, my family, when they, whenever we arrive, they just love to talk about God. I don't have to bring up the subject. They will ask and ask and ask to try to prove me wrong. I think what I did, the seeds that I sowed were trying to prove my wife wrong when I was an atheist. My family, <laughs> you got it, Mike. <laughs> so let's pray that this is going to be a Christmas of harvest, okay? And um, just to finish, let's know what wealth really is. It's bringing people into the kingdom by the power of God. Will you give your life for the whole world? That means the whole world is worth more than one person. So let's not tell God, God, meet my need. Money, money, money. That should stop being our prayer. Let's ask God, more souls, souls, God. And you see what God has after you for, for you. God has much more for you than you, could, you cannot even imagine. Much more. So Father, I thank you, Lord. Even as we pass the, the buckets, we thank you, Lord, for this church, the equipping church, that we are being equipped to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And we pray, Lord, today, for an impartation, an impartation, even as we sow, even as we have sown, even as we are going to sow, and we will sow big according to your will, according to whatever you tell us to sow, we will be obedient. Because this is the time of harvest. This is the time of reward. This is the year of reward. And Father, we pray, as this is the year of reward, we pray, Lord, for a reward in souls to come into the kingdom. A reward of souls to come into the equipping church, to be equipped for every good work and to be sent to the nations. Father, I thank you for the work you're doing here and I thank you for the seeds sown in faith. Thank you for the blessing that comes with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord. Just across this room. Spirit of God right now. Spirit of God, begin to fall on your people right now.
Depression's going right now. Depression's leaving right now. I hear the Lord say, I see you in that two and three o'clock hour where you feel so alone and you feel like no one's there for you. That loneliness is being broken right now. If you've battled depression, God wants to set you free right now. You're being set free right now. It's going right now in the name of Jesus. There's someone who's afraid that you're going to get cancer and die. Who is that? You've had this just unreal fear that you're going to get cancer and die. Come here. We're going to break that today. I felt it so strongly. This permeating thought, oh, I'm going to get cancer and die. I break it right now in the name of Jesus. And I command that lying spirit to go right now in Jesus' name. I break that lie right now in Jesus' name. You will live. It will not touch your house. Should the Lord tarry, I see you as an old woman. Not acting old, but old woman. Ooh. You'll testify of many moves of God. Come here. Break the spirit of fear right now in Jesus' name. We break it right now in Jesus' name. I command that lying devil, go. Fear, go right now in Jesus' name. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord. Come on. Just worship Him right now. Just glorify the King right now. Worthy is the Lamb. I've shared the gospel with you today. I've made it very clear that in order to follow Jesus, there is change required. You have to surrender your sin. You've got to surrender lordship to Him. And this morning, if you've never done that, if you've never surrendered lordship to Him, I want to get you started on that journey. It's, it's a lifelong journey. It starts with repentance. It's acknowledging that without Him you are a wretched sinner and you need Him. But with Him you can be a new creation. and can transform your life and the kingdom of God can get on the inside of you and change you. If that's you this morning, you've never made that decision to surrender your whole life to Him, I want you to come stand with me right now. Maybe you made it at some point in your life. But you want to you come back to the Lord. If that's you, I want to invite you to come. Everyone in this room might be saved this morning. You might be watching by live stream. As I said earlier, a prayer can't save you. It can't, but it's a great entry place into a life with Jesus. It's a great place to start in this morning. If you've never made that decision, I want to give you that opportunity. For the sake of those watching via live stream and who will watch this message later, 
If you've never made a decision for Christ this morning and you want to surrender your life to him, I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you're in the room this morning, I invite you to pray it with me. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I acknowledge I need you. I give you lordship over my life. I choose today to surrender every part. And I invite you, Holy Spirit, to empower me today to live a life surrendered to you. In Jesus' name. We pray that your life was impacted today by the presence of God. For more information about the Equipping Church or to give online, please visit www.equippingchurch.us.